Welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, sponsored by Moda Fabrics, Baby Lock, The Electric Quilt Company, and Northcott. We have a terrific show filled with tips and tricks for you today, so let's get to it. Here's your host, Pat Sloan. Good afternoon. This is Pat Sloan, and I have to tell you, the first time I talked to Elise Blythe of Blossom Heart Quilts, she was living in Japan, and we were going through these crazy time zone things, and she's like, no, no, call me very, very early my time, because her little children were going to be asleep still, and then it would be so much easier to talk. Well, that's been a few years now, and Elise is doing um, marvelous things, and I thought, we need to catch up. So thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. It's great to talk to you again. And so your children have grown a little bit. You don't have to talk <laughs> a in the middle. Bit, of the, yes. Yeah, don't have to talk in the middle of the night anymore. That's like no. Well, they're was... currently watching TV and a um a morning treat before school drop off. So yeah. I'll off there, to school drop off after this. <laughs> right, right. Quiet. Mom's on the phone. Right. That's all right. That's all right. Well, well, one of the reasons why I was like, oh, we need to talk again is because, you know, it always sticks in my mind. That was one of my more fun interviews with coordinating with you. And you have been doing some paper piecing projects with uh, a Japanese theme. And when I saw that, I thought, oh, my gosh, those are so darling. We need to talk about them. When, um, tell, me, tell me about the project. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so having lived in Japan for four years, in fact, um, we moved back to Australia just three years ago the other day, so um, time flies. Um, but yeah, I wanted to, always wanted to create some sort of Japanese designs that um, reminded me of that time and sort of honoured the honored the memories that we made there. Um, and yeah, so I opened up EQ and started sketching and Resketched and resketched, but <laughs> then we ended up with what we've got. <laughs> so, do you have a plan for how many of these, and will they go into one quilt, is or are they just sort of individuals patterns people can do what they want with? Well, at the moment, they're just individual blocks that people can buy. So, I've got okay. Kokeshi, which of um, six little dolls. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got Sakura, which is a cherry blossom. Um, I've got Suru, which is the paper origami crane. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hinomatsuri, which are dolls that use on Girls' Day, um, Emperor and Empress, um, and also a kimono design. And, yeah, I think eventually I'll put them into a sampler quilt um, <laughs> once okay. I'm committed to, you know, finishing the collection. Yeah. Um, but I do have some new collections in mind um, of some kawaii block designs I'd like to get onto next. So I think it's almost time to <laughs> call yeah. it a day for those ones. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know, you you get on a roll. It's like a series, you know, and then this sparks another thing, sparks another thing. Exactly. Um, yes. You are an electric quilt EQ ambassador. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you design these in electric quilt, how easy is it? I've never done paper piecing in there. Design paper piecing. It's. I've had some people ask how you know how do you number them and that sort of thing. Well, for one, EQ just numbers them for you once you've drawn it correctly. Ah. Um, but you've just got to wrap your mind about, think about which order you would actually sew it, like which shape would need to be sewn first and then build up from there. Or, or you might start with a rough outline. Um, for my cherry blossom block, actually, I used uh, one of EQ's um, in their library. They've got like the block library built in. Uh-huh. There was a five-pointed star that I used as a basis so that I could get the five petals in the right angle. Uh-huh. Um yeah, so it's sort of a mix of all those. Yeah. Do you end up uh, doing like a little drawing before you go in there, or do you just play within the uh, electric quilt software? 
Not for paper piecing ones, no, because it's really about getting the lines in the right angle. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. harder um, on paper. But for some of my regular machine piece designs, I will sketch it out first just to sort of get a rough idea of the proportions of the shapes I'm wanting. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people have electric quilt, and I think a lot of them have it, but maybe haven't explored it much. They sort of stay doing, you know, one or two things, you know, using the block library. What mm-hmm. might be, uh, what is it capable of that, that you think people should explore? Um, I, when people ask, you know, what can it do? I'm like, well, my favorite part for starters is the fabric library. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> try drawing up some of the block designs you see on Pinterest or in um, in books and that will also get you um, used to drawing out the shapes but you can also then play with colouring them and um, working with colour play with fabric without having to actually cut your fabric mm-hmm. uh, that's, so that's nice and they do have on their website um, fabric of the month downloads that are free downloads mm-hmm. each month um, so they're really useful to help build up your library as well. Oh, that's uh, that is nice. So they come out every month with a new sort of collection that you yes. can load. Hmm. Yes. So do people get an email to get that? Yeah, you can sign up okay. for their newsletter, and that will be the best way to um, find out each month, to remember each month <laughs> to right. go and download them. <laughs> go get them. Yeah, go get the go get the free stuff. It's good. That's um, all right. You know, at least you have always had so many fabulous sew alongs. You know, that's I, I'm sort of addicted to sew alongs personally, and uh, <laughs> I don't know what's with that, but I am. And uh, you know, I love yours. So, you what do you have going on right now? Well, this year, I'm running the Sunset Isle Quilt Block of the Month program, um, it's in collaboration with a local, uh, an Aussie Liberty. Um, store Ava and Eve and it's actually a row of the month is probably more accurate um, and so each month people can still sign up for the pattern um, on the Ava and Eve website and uh, each month they get emailed out the pattern for that month's row and um, it's block based still so it's not all sorts of different shapes and designs um, so we've had flying geese we've had log cabins this month's uh, economy blocks um, and yeah, by the end of the year, they'll have a beautiful row built quilt. And, and are you using all Liberty of London fabrics then? Yes, I am. Yes. yes. Um, using from my rather extensive stash that I've developed. Um, <laughs> so it's a good mix of current prints and some Liberty solids, yeah. a bit of Hello Kitty Liberty thrown in. Yeah. Um, yeah, with a grey Liberty. And it's rainbow order, so it's, you know, even more... Sparkly. <laughs> yes, I know. I just love the yellow that you have right now. Yes. Oh my goodness, those are so pretty. I my first favorite color in the world was yellow. That's uh, uh, yes. Yeah, so it's a long time ago though. Uh, <laughs> mine's coral, which is very on trend this year. <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. It comes around. I'm just waiting, waiting for that yellow to come around again. Like, come I don't back. know. <laughs> so. So what other projects do you have going on right now besides the the sew-along? Well, right in the middle, sort of getting to the end of a, um, it's called the Hanami Quilt Along, which is uh, in the Northern Hemisphere. It's currently cherry blossom season. And it's one of my favorite times in Japan because winter is quite cold and it's starting to warm up and the blossoms are out. It's just mm-hmm. stunning. Um, so having a little bit of a sew-along, people are making any of the Japanese quilt blocks 
um, and using them however they want in a final project, sort of ah. a make it up yourself kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's wrapping up soon. And then in May I'll be hosting another little quilt along um, for one of my little liberties patterns, talking of liberty fabric. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, this year sort of focusing on a few smaller quilt along events and I know that my life is really busy with kids and family and um, just wanting to help encourage people, just create for the sake of creating. That's Um, true. And the smaller ones, the smaller sew-alongs really help that because you know, you know, it's not this sort of long dragged out once a month thing. You know, if they are compacted a bit, uh, you can, you feel like it's doable, right? Yes. Yes. You also wrote a pretty in neat um, article. You write a lot of nice articles. For those of you who have not been out to visit Elisa's uh, website, blossomheartquilts.com, she writes great articles. You did one on finishing old quilt projects. Um, yeah. yeah. It's like they're never ending. How do we get new old quilt projects? How does that happen? I know. We recently moved house and I'm unpacking everything and going, what, how long have I had these blocks lying around for? I don't want to think about it. Right. Oh, goodness. So, yeah, instead of finding a new home for them, I just finished them off as a top and sent them off to a charity. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's nice to – sometimes it's easy just to finish them, you know, just to make a top and just be done. And the yep. guilt, guilt is gone. It's like yes. – <laughs> The emotional baggage. <laughs> right, right. So do you have some tips? A lot of people do have uh, small children around, and I think it's always great to have a few tips from somebody sort of living in it right now um, to sew and get things done when you've got little people. Um, just make what you can when you can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Creativity doesn't need to be some big, impressive art show piece. It can just be making a small mini quilt and turning it into a cushion. Um, it's not... Yeah, it doesn't have to be a big thing. Yeah, that's probably a good point because I and I think people wait for having enough time, which yes, yeah, that's like that's like fairy dust that doesn't exist having enough time. You know, if you have five minutes, yeah, choose some fabrics for your next project. Next time you have five minutes, start cutting. Yeah. It just and when your children were small, did you have to keep things all behind a closed door when they were really small? I mean, um, in Japan, I actually shared their playroom for my sewing room. Oh, okay. um, but I did have things, you know, above eye level. <laughs> above eye level. <laughs> how how far up can that one reach now? Okay, let's go yeah. further than that. They're not climbing the furniture yet, so yes. So where do you usually like to post? You, you're very active writing on your website, but you uh, do a lot with Instagram then? Um, yeah, fairly regular on Instagram, at least once every other day. Mm-hmm. You know, so at least once a day is what I aim for. But yeah, I <laughs> know. I'm the same way. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So do, you, um, do you have something on your – just we have like a minute. What is like on your bucket list of a project to make? Or you might even be working on it. Um, I'm currently working on Kitty Wilkins' Pollinate Quilt, um, which I'm absolutely loving, that English paper piecing project. Um, and it seems this is my kind of style of EPP. So after this, who knows, maybe one of those La Paz quilts will be the the next yeah. big project. <laughs> those are big, but they're gorgeous. Oh my Yes. 
Okay, so I'm going to be watching to see if you do that, all right? <laughs> Pressure's on. <laughs> Pressure's on. A good check. I love the pollinate as well. That is just an amazing quilt. So it is beautiful. It, do, you have a news, do you have a newsletter, right? I do, yes. I send that once every two weeks. Okay, so everybody can go out to BlossomHeartQuilts.com, sign up for the newsletter. Thank you so much. It was wonderful to catch up with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we'll be right back after the break. Moda Fabrics started in 1975 as United Notions. Today, Moda Fabrics leads the way with innovative fabrics designed in-house and by many of the industry's most popular designers and creative talents. As for United Notions, it continues to distribute the very best notions, books, patterns, and supplies available. Moda Fabrics and Supplies is what you may hear them go by now, but they still have the same great products and customer service they've had for more than 40 years. Visit modafabrics.com or your local quilt shop to see the latest in fabric and notion. Want to design your own quilts? Now you can with Electric Quilt 8 software. Design quilts, blocks, and import your favorite fabrics. Or use any of the thousands of designs in the library. Podcast listeners, take 20% off your purchase through May 31st, 2019 with code PODEQ8. That's P-O-D-E-Q-8. Get more info at electricquilt.com slash APQ. Welcome back to America Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I'm Pat Sloan. I just uh, have so much admiration for the artistry people put into their long arming, you know, to their quilting into adding the layers that go with all of our patchworks. And Jess uh, Ziegler of Thread, ThreadedQuilting.com is an amazing, amazing designer. And she does projects also for the family of American Patchwork and Quilting magazines. And so I'm super excited, Jess, to talk to you about all the kind of cool things you do. I am so glad to be talking to you, Pat. Thanks. <laughs> so how did you get interested in quilting? Um, well, I've always been around quilts. I had a great-grandmother who was a quilter, and then um, a grandma who collected quilts. She didn't necessarily quilt herself, but there were always plenty of quilts around, and I just really liked the feel of them mm-hmm. um, and the comfort and the design and the artistry, all that kind of thing. Um And then when um, my sister was in high school, she was able to take a quilting class as like a home ec offering. And for our um, wedding, she made my husband and I a quilt. And I was just so amazed that she could do that. And I thought, (laughs) well, I wonder what that would be like to try. You know, I've always liked um, quilts. Let's let's Mm -hmm. give this a go. And um, so a passion was born at that point in my life. That's, it is interesting that you've seen, you saw them, but then it took a little while until sort of the bug, the bug hit to, or the, yeah, and, oh, sorry. (laughs) 
Yeah. No. The, so I'm really, you have a lot of very interesting things that you do, you know, and I want to touch on a few of them because we always have such little time. Uh, but you, <laughs> you're not only, you know, quilt for, you know, do the quilting part, but you also design. And one of the things that you're known for is your feathered stars, but you do them with no Y seams. Uh, what, tell me about that. Right. Well, um, when I was sort of new quilter, I tried to make uh, a feathered star the traditional way, and it was so frustrating. And part of that, I think, was because I didn't know how to handle a biased edge. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I felt like I could never get consistent results. Um, So later on, when I learned about paper piecing, and I I had in my mind, I wanted to do this quilt with 10 different um, feathered stars in it, and I just oh. didn't want the frustration of, you know, not being able to get consistent stars. And so mm-hmm. I just decided to break that, um, break what would be the set in seam apart so I could do two straight seams using um, piecing. So that's how that got born. And that was, and um, I was on Instagram at the time, and then I had a lot of people ask me how I did that and <laughs> so I thought there was a um a desire I guess to uh I wanted to help other people repeat the process because they're really cool usually they're a, a bucket list item for a quilter mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I really like making um seemingly complex things approachable for either beginners or people who didn't think they might have the skill set to do that so that's kind of how that originated yeah. So you have a tutorial on this at your website? I do. Um, I recorded a nine-part <laughs> oh, tutorial goodness. series. And so, like, <laughs> if I've had people tell me, I know, um, I've had t- people tell me that they have never paper-pieced before and were able to watch the tutorial and um, paper-piece a feathered star for the first time. So that, um, that makes me feel great, obviously, to um, try to help um, – add that tool to uh, Quilter's toolboxes because paper piecing can just be so useful for a number of things. So did you ever make the big quilt of all the feathered stars? I did. I, um, I arranged them and I'm, I'm super into like the quilting part too. And Mm. so part of my motivation for making this quilt was I set the 10 stars in two rows of five each. They're all the same size. And then I just added a gab of um, negative space both above and below those rows of stars so that I could just play around with um, the quilting. That is so cool. And you also have patterns <laughs> for, for these so that people can purchase a printed pattern if they want, you know. It, they're just, they're just, I think I've done one, Jess. It's like, and it was a long, <laughs> long time ago, and it was not with this method. So that might be why yeah. I never did them again. You know, I, I, need, to, I need to try this. So, how, what are, what are a few tips for fabric selection for Feathered Star? Ooh, good question. Um, I think, well, so in my pattern, I've counted, there's 129 little patches <laughs> and don't let that intimidate anyone. It's, it goes together um, or it's not as complicated as it sounds. But my point is when you're sewing that many pieces together, you want a big impact. You don't 
want all of your um, fabric to sort of meld together and not mm-hmm. be able to see, you know, the, the effort that you're putting into these stars. So I really like to encourage high, co- high contrast, you know, start with a light and a dark and maybe add some um, medium tones in there, but um, definitely have your lights and your darks covered so that you can, so that the star really stands out. They're, they're pretty bold and graphic and fun and it gets sort of lost if you're just using all sorts of um, the same value of fabric. Mm -hmm. And I also, to start with, I guess I would encourage either um, using solid fabrics or Mm. a smaller scale um, because some of those patches are are pretty small. And if you're using a larger scale fabric, you might not, it might not um, give you the results that you're um, going for. And I also think that um, non-directional Fabric mm-hmm. also helps um, just as you're getting started or getting used to it for um, for some sex- successful results. Those those are the things that I would recommend. Yeah, those are those are excellent tips because you just for all that effort learning, you know, then expand out if you want to use right. directionals and your bigger prints when you kind of understand what it, they look like all chopped up like that. Um, Absolutely. And another thing that um, I've seen people do, and I'm. I'm not a fussy cutter myself, um, mm-hmm. but there have been some amazing results uh, with people using fussy cutting, you know, featuring certain aspects of special prints, either in the center or even in the spines. Um, I've seen some really cool things done uh, with fussy cutting. So that's another thing that um, people can try with the feathered star. Neat, neat, neat. So yeah. you have one of your most recent quotes. We'll change gears here. One of your most recent sure. quotes for the magazine was Sea of Stars. Tell me about that one in the winter 2019 oh. issue. Yes. Um, I really like that quote. I I tend to gravitate towards stars. <laughs> and I um, I just, that's, I don't know why. I, I just always, when I'm designing, I, I kind of tend to start with the with the stars. Um, and I also was motivated by um, sort of a monochromatic look and mm-hmm. using um, fabric placement um, in more subtle ways uh, between the stars. Um, and um, I really liked um, using some of the larger negative um, space areas to feature some special quilting. So you, you'll see some of that in... Um, the borders, but I was, I was sort of motivated by um, plaid fabrics as well, or plaid mm-hmm. um, design uh, when I was designing this. So um, that was the effect I was going for. That's it. You, speaking of quilting, you know that is a big <laughs> part. Yeah, that's a big part. It makes a, it takes a top to extraordinary levels, depending on you know what you decide to do on it. Uh, was it scary for you to start quilting for other people? Um, you know, I don't remember being scared. I just, as soon as I fell in love with quilting as a hobby, just in general, mm-hmm. I really, really loved the quilting part. And I quilted mm-hmm. on my domestic machine for, I think it was six or seven years before I even got a long arm. So mm-hmm. at that point, it was just like an easier way for me to accomplish the quilting. And I was mm-hmm. fairly confident just with all the um, domestic machine work that I, I jumped right into um, long arming for customers without too mm-hmm. much. Um, yeah, it wasn't. 
super scary for me. I'm no. the only times I'm nervous about it is if um, no ideas come to me right away. Usually, uh, when I look at a top, um, mm-hmm. I'll have some ideas of what to um, try, what might be successful on it. But if I mm-hmm. am like staring at a quilt and have no idea what I'm going to do, then then that's when I get a little <laughs> bit nervous. <laughs> Yeah, they they need, like, need a mental break. Walk away from right. It, come Walk back. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, what is there anything funny that's ever happened? I mean, that that you could share, you know, with with your customers. Yes. Um, okay. So, in our last house, I lived about a block away from a retired gentleman who serviced sewing machines, mm. and every once in a while, you'd be surprised by how many people would knock on my door and like have a sewing machine in their hand and I would have to send them (laughs) down the block. Um, But one time I was just kind of um, making conversation with a lady that stopped and I said, well, I'm a long armor. And she looked at me and she's like, you are? She's like, just a minute. And so she went into (laughs) her van and she had been carrying around a top, a backing and a batting and had it with her. She didn't, um, no, oh, I, I guess I don't know what she was planning to do with it. So she just <laughs> gave it to me, and I closed it for her. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll pick this up when I get my sewing machine back. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like it's so funny. <laughs> yeah, there's probably more quilters running around with quilts, you know, packages in their car than we think. You know, that's, that's true. <laughs> going to pull them. Um, so we have a little bit of time left, about two minutes. You do some very um, specific type of pantograms. Can you just tell me about that? Yeah, well, I um, I transitioned from um, sewing custom to just all digital pantographs. But I feel like I still use some of my um, custom tendencies. Uh, I really want to make the um, pantograph look like it was almost custom made for the top. So I really tried mm-hmm. to... Um, just accomplish that with uh, looking at the interesting interplay with some um, pantographs, like mm-hmm. using straight lines and curved lines. Um, so I, um, I tend you to also go ch- you with, play with the scale too, don't you? Yeah, I, I was going to say I, I'm sort of I'm drawn to more dense designs. Um, and smaller scale, I, I really like the repeatable um, nature of of the pantographs and just how it all looks when it's um, when you can see uh, the repeated. Like the, I think that's what gives a good te- texture, and um, yeah, that's one of my favorite things to do. Well, the best part, the best part, Jess, is that long armors you included share your lots of pictures of the work on your, yes. on your website. Yeah, so you can really see it, and it's that's fabulous. We appreciate that. Oh, <laughs> Thank you. Well, I whenever I have anything in a magazine, I always appreciate how much care and time and the great photography that goes into it. And I know that the quilters um, that work with me appreciate like how much care and um, and I just want to show yeah. their quilt in the best light. It's, it's a good feeling. Well, thank you, Jess. This has been fabulous. Thanks, Pat. We'll be right back.
My sewing machine is the heart and soul of my design process, and working on a machine that clicks with me makes it easy for me to create. That's why I use a variety of baby lock machines, especially the Crescendo. Baby Lock has thought through everything I need to have to create amazing quilts. I love that the control panel on my Crescendo is so intuitive and easy to use. Best of all, it's large enough to see clearly. The Crescendo's features remind me that everything Baby Lock does is for the love of sewing. Do you want to learn something new? Solve a sewing problem? Or simply be inspired to start a new project? Moda Fabrics is here to help and it won't cost you a thing. Visit modafabrics.com for free patterns, computer wallpapers, sewing tips and reference guides, and fun sewing printables. You can even find coordinating Modabella solids, Orfill threads, and hex values to any image uploaded with the new Palette Builder tool. Visit modafabrics.com and click on Free and Fun to find all this and more. And for free and fun right in your social feed, follow Moda Fabrics on Instagram. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I am Pat Sloan, and another person who we find in the magazines, uh, American Patchwork magazines, is uh, Joyce Dean Giesler, and she writes under Quilter Chick Designs, but who you have to love, a quilter chick, right? Everybody needs a quilter chick. It's their best friends. So, Joyce, thank you for being here. Well, thank you for the invite. I'm very excited to do this. Yeah, you know, I was going through the magazines and I saw your project and I was like, oh, we need to talk. We need to talk about it. Just to talk about everything that you that you do, not just that one project. Um, so you've been you've been told me you've been quilting a few years now. Um, yeah, I've been yeah. quilting since 1990. Yeah. So what what do you think is one of the biggest changes that you've seen since you started quilting till now? Um, I, I really think there have been three huge changes, and one is the number of tools. When I started quilting, there were a handful of tools, and we had rotary cutters, but the numbers of tools that we have now that make our life easier is phenomenal. Yeah. And access to videos. When I, The very first time yeah. I took a quilting class, I lived in Texas, and I actually had to rent the VHS tape and <laughs> the player at the time. We didn't have the internet. We didn't have cable TV. Right. right. And so our access is phenomenal. I mean, it, it's yeah. just, it's changed our lives. And the modern quilt guild movement, mm-hmm. I think, is going to continue uh, to grow and to grow the industry and to grow our design ideas. Yeah, I agree. All of those things. And, and there's so many little tangents that come off of each of those sort of big topics, big, big changes. Absolutely. Um, yeah, but I learned when there was a rotary cutter as well, so I already had a review that's <laughs> little, right. about this, a little bit later than you, but a similar time frame. Yeah, all of these things are just incredible. When you started sort of designing things for the magazines and for publication and whatnot, what kind of style are you working in? I really love traditional quilts. Um, I, I, I am just very drawn to them. I'm very drawn to Civil War reproduction fabrics. On the other hand, I have joined the Portland Modern Quilt Guild, which is the largest in the world, and have, have started expanding my ideas of design. 
And it's, so it's very fun. But starting, I absolutely traditional quilts. And every pattern I did, I tried to make sure that the name was the, at least one version of the name of the original block. Because oh, I wanted okay. to keep that continuity of so when someone mm-hmm. saw the quilt, I could mm-hmm. say, this is how it got its name. This is what the original block was titled. Um, and then I, I love to jazz up quilts with um, fancy pants borders and sashings mm-hmm. and to kind of bring it into this century. Mm-hmm. Because I think, our, I think our ancestors would have done the same had it been easier to do and had they had the tools we have. Right, right. It's exactly it. I mean, people would have done things if they have, if you get the tools and you have it, you're going to try it. I mean, we're all curious, right. we're all creative. Um, I love that you want to do interesting sashings and interesting borders because they take a little bit more work, but they, you know, like time-wise, but they right. really be, are spectacular. They they make all the difference for me. And one of the things I've learned to do in working in traditional quilts and the the tiny pieces I I've loved is I have mm-hmm. to slow down and enjoy the process. Mm. Uh, when you're working with small pieces, you don't get to just blast through and get a quilt done in a day no. um, or even two or three days. I have one quilt yeah. I'm working on right now. It is not my design. I have mm-hmm. calculated out. It's going to take me 300 hours to finish this quilt, <laughs> but it is going to be spectacular and it's mm-hmm. going to be worth it. Yeah. And every time I work on a little piece, I'm like, oh, ooh, I love this piece. I love the yeah. way these colors come together. And mm-hmm. with small traditional quilts, you just learn to enjoy the process and enjoy that that is part of it. Mm-hmm. And that you're not going to have production numbers that someone else might have. Yeah, that that is so true. It is, it's hard for people to remember if they're doing a lot of quicker quilts that right. when, you, when you bring it down into uh, more detail – that it takes longer. Right. Yeah. And, so, it, and I'm, I'm happy with that. Uh, although yeah. there are years where all of a sudden I say, I haven't been doing much. I need to crank it up. And I, right. I do some easier things just for a little break for my brain because mm-hmm. sometimes tiny and tedious, it sometimes tiny can become yeah. tedious if you're not careful. Right. Yeah. yeah. So what are a, my a five tip- big, sorry, I was going to say my five big projects I have planned for this year are all mm-hmm. itty bitty tiny pieces. <laughs> And I'm okay with that. <laughs> well, I was going to say, why why don't you tell me a little bit about uh, tiny patchwork? Like, what are some key things that we should know to be successful? Uh, for, I have a couple of things that I do that I think have helped me be successful with tiny patchwork. And one is if the pattern um, calls for you to cut a square two and seven-eighths inches, I round mm-hmm. that up to three. If I'm going to make half-square triangles... I'm going to make two at a time, and I'm going to just sliver trim them and make sure they're perfect to start with. I love um, using a non-starch product to kind of give it a little bit of crispness. Mm -hmm. So when you handle Mm -hmm. these small pieces, it's easier. Mm -hmm. Um, I like to – I generally oversize and will trim down. I -hmm. just think no matter what I do, and I've been sewing since I can remember, and I'm over 60 years old, I can still distort fabric. And I, I, you know, I can blame the needle, the thread, the fabric, whatever. I can still distort like nobody's business. Mm -hmm. And so, but so if I oversize it a tiny bit, even if it is just two strips of fabric cut together, Mm -hmm. if I oversize it a little and trim to the size I need, magically they all fit together. Mm -hmm. It's a good tip, and it takes a little bit of extra to do that, but the end result is not is 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 a perfect shape. And it takes me less time than tearing out my errors. 
<laughs> because yes. if you're if you're sewing with tiny pieces, I'm generally sewing with tinier stitches. Yeah. And right. it takes twice as long to take them out. The other yes. thing I do, um, and I'm kind of uh, religious about it, is I make sure that the straight of, that I'm working with the straight of grain. I know there are some videos out there where you can quickly make things and do things, but all your outer edges end up on the bias. Mm -hmm. And like I said before, I can distort things like nobody's business all on my own without wrestling with a bias edge where where I could make it a straight grain and make it fit more easily. When you were saying that you take the have the stitch length a little smaller, how much smaller do you go? Um, you know, a lot of times my machine, if I'm doing something big, is set at uh, 2.5. If I'm working with small pieces, I put it at 2. And I don't okay. know what that actually translates to into how many mm-hmm. stitches per inch. Right. Um, I've been using the same machine for 19 years now, so I don't yeah. know what it, right. I don't know that's the translation. A good judge. I think most people can yeah. take what your standard is and then bring it down just a little bit. You're not going right. minutia because right. that because would... It, Right, because sometimes when you over-trim, when you make pieces larger and trim them down, um, you're cutting your seam a lot. You're cutting your seam. And so you don't want it to come unraveled from you. If you're working on a – I just finished blocks, 72 blocks for a block swap, and mm-hmm. some of the pieces were one and a quarter inch square that you had to sew together. Mm-hmm. And you weren't making that many to make a I, – I did a strip set and cut it, but then your center square and you're adding all that together – a smaller stitch length is really helpful. Yeah, that's a that's. I think it's something people forget about because they just sit down and sew. They, even if they've done the other things, uh, right? The stitch length is one to just make that put it on your list. What do I need to do? Right. <laughs> right. The other thing I do is I use fairly fine thread. I use a fifty weight thread. Mm-hmm. Um, the downside is when I first started using fifty weight thread, the downside was. Seams don't nest together quite, you don't feel them nesting quite as easily. Mm-hmm. And so you have to develop that feel. And I also press a lot of seams open now. It's one of the okay. things I've learned from modern quilters. It's okay to press everything open. If you're using a long arm or heavily quilting something, it's not yeah. going to come apart. If you're stitching right. in the ditch, I avoid it. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, I actually taught a whole class where every, you know, beginners pressing open as an experiment. And uh, they loved it this years ago, you know, just to see right. how it how that progressed. Um, I came from garment making, so that was a. Uh, like, okay. I did as well, and with some of my smaller pieces, I even grade the seams. So mm-hmm. for people that don't know that, your top seam with a quilting uh, is generally a quarter inch, and then you would go underneath and change grade the next seam. You'd trim it down to one eighth inch. Mm-hmm. If you're talking lots of complicated seams, I don't do it often, but mm-hmm. if I need to, that's what I'm going to do to make things fit and lay flatter for me. Yeah, that's another good tip. I really, I don't know that I've heard that one before because I think you have to be getting pretty A small to, to need do. to do it you on do. patchwork. <laughs> if you're working with a lot of triangles like I do sometimes, you yeah. just need to minimize as much bulk as you can. Right, right. So tell me about your Go for a Spin, which is in the February 2019 issue of American Patchwork. So every year for my local guild, I do a fundraiser, and it's a mystery quilt. I I teach all day, and I just um, it's just a fundraiser for them. And I designed this block, and I thought, oh, this block is fabulous. And I had a bunch of women over, and I showed it to one of the women, and I said, what do you think? I think I'm going to do this for my mystery this year. And she took one look at me and said, are you crazy? 
<laughs> they're gonna because I had already designed even the fancy uh, the yeah. pieced sashings, right? And right. It's, it's it, they appear yeah. to be yeah they appear to be square in a square unit, and that yeah. is how I mathematically calculate them. But that's mm-hmm. not how you sew it together. And she took one look at that and said, they are going to hate you if you do this as a mystery. (laughs) She was a little worried about the range of skills in the class. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I had just read uh, Joe's Country Junction blog, and she was talking about submitting quilt designs to a magazine, and they didn't have to be finished. Mm -hmm. And I thought, huh, I have that quilt upstairs that I really like. And I had called it vintage fireworks because that's kind of what it reminded me of mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I came upstairs and took some pictures and sent them in and they said yes we love the quilt we'll put it in the magazine yep. so it was it's very fun and it is it is ab- I've I love it so much I've made a second version that's smaller oh. a Christmas size uh-huh. and I have a third version planned because <laughs> I love the quilt that much yeah and it's it is just, spectacular it's a fun quilt pattern Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. It does look like a bit like fireworks because it's a pinwheel type effect with uh, extra special. The little trailing, the little the red unit. trailing reminded me of fireworks. Yeah. It's so cool. So cool. We have Thank a you. Thank super you. short, super short. You have a tip about rotary cutters that I think is a va- uh, really valuable. I do. I have a couple of tips about rotary cutters. And the first one is that when you are cutting You've got your rotary cutter in one hand. Make sure that your blade is straight up and down. Mm-hmm. I had a woman one time hire me as an individual instructor because she just couldn't get her stuff accurate, and all she was doing was tipping the blade a little to the right or to the left, mm-hmm. and she was kind of undercutting her pattern, and it was right. taking off enough of a sliver that things didn't fit. And as soon as she made that correction, she was fine. Just yeah. make sure you're straight up and down and that your ruler – the edge of your ruler is on the edge of your fabric. The black line that you're trying to follow is on your fabric, not off of your fabric. That little sliver, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. That's a really, really good tip, Joyce. This is this has been so much fun, so much fun to catch up with you and get to know you. You too. It, I really, when, you, when I got my first Instagram message from you, I was positive I was being punked. <laughs> I said, why would Pat Sloan send me an email? This has got to be one of those spam things that goes around that says, check your email. And I thought, yeah, yeah huh, right. So, and yeah, I had so just funny. been spammed like that. So on my, on my Facebook. So I was yeah. kind of in tune. So, yeah. so I sent you that crazy email. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much. Everybody visit Joyce at quilterchickdesigns.com. We'll be right back. I want to talk for a minute about Babylock. They're passionate about sewing, and they're the most knowledgeable group that I've worked with. They want to make all of our experiences successful. Babylock is wonderfully realistic when it comes to their machine lineup. They have a range of machines in various categories and a variety of features. If you don't need a certain function, you can just find a machine that fits you. And best of all, they include my designs on the new Solaris. Start at the beginning. Design your next quilt like the pros. Quilt designers Nancy Mahoney and Alice Blythe both use Electric Quilt 8 software to design their gorgeous quilts. And you can too. Get EQ8 and start designing just minutes after you purchase. 
Podcast listeners, take 20% off through May 31st, 2019 with code PODEQ8. That's P-O-D-E-Q-8. Get more info at electricquilt.com slash APQ. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I am Pat Sloan, and it's super exciting to be able to uh, have the technology to chat with artists across the world. Uh, Kathy Ross is here with me, and she is she has been bitten by the love of thread. And I found her via some work that she did, her artwork using Orfil thread, and she'd been using my collection. So I was like, okay, Kathy, we need to know what you're doing. And here she is. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Pat. It's lovely to speak with you. And so what part of the world, to everybody, where you are chatting from? So I'm in a little town in the west coast of Ireland, uh, just beside Galway, called June. Ah, this is, and it's great. It's like, I love technology that we can make this work. Sometimes it takes a few minutes, but you're here. (laughs) Yeah. Great. So your your background is an artist. You've been working in a lot of different mediums. What um, I mean, you went to college for art, right? Yeah. So, Pat, I studied fine art in the National College of Art and Design in Ireland. And then I had a really successful career as a watercolor artist. Um, but I just kept getting more and more frustrated with the two dimensional quality of the work. So I started exploring working with threads and textures and fell in love. You know, I think that that is fascinating because it is so different, at least to me, you know, yes. because I, I work with thread, but I don't do like thread painting like you're doing. Um, when was the first time that you picked up some thread and thought, what will this do? Um, well, I suppose it was about two years ago, Pat. So I had just finished working on a really big solo exhibition, all in watercolours. And with each piece that I made, I became more and more frustrated. And I'd always loved hand embroidery. So I decided to take the plunge, take two years and just get to grips with working with thread. So I bought a really budget sewing machine with a free motion foot. <laughs> <laughs> and watched a few YouTube videos and just uh-huh. decided, right, I'm going to teach myself how to do this. Um, and it just grew from there. So what is your your art like? Like when you did watercolors first, did you do yeah. landscapes or people? Yes. Or? So I, I live in a really, really rural part of the country and surrounded by sheds and farm animals and really interesting looking people. So I uh, decided to do a lot of landscapes and portraiture. And that just fed into my work then, I suppose, with the thread as well. Mm-hmm. So, so when you're working now, uh, your your items are still very image-based. Definitely. Yeah, definitely image-based. I mean, I love the craft of it, Pat. So for me, it's about getting it extremely real, um, almost that you can touch it. Right. Um, yeah. Well, that is one thing that was fascinating about seeing your your piece, the original piece that I, the first piece that I saw was that it looked like a photo if you weren't, 
if you were just scrolling, like you're just scrolling through yeah. your feed. It was like, oh, that's a neat photo. It's like, wait, 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 back up. That's not a photo. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's lovely. And I mean, even I've had exhibitions of my textiles since I started working and people kind of look at them and go, oh, they're really nice photos. And I get really frustrated because yeah. they're not photos, right? paintings. <laughs> but it's nice. Do you paint a base first? Yes. So ah. I suppose I've always liked working in layers, Pat, even through my watercolors. I kind of never know when to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way that I create my textiles is I use acrylic inks on fabric, um, particularly curtain lining. Hmm. And I just work up a really fine base with the inks. And the inks are lovely to work with because they don't block the sewing machine, which is what general paints would do. Okay. Um, yeah. So just a little sketch. It's never... Mm-hmm. perfect it's very loose mm-hmm. um, and then I layer up uh, applique and needle felting and then I stitch on the top of it and the stitching is the longest part of the process but I love I love the intricacy of that so what were the first pieces you made when you started playing with thread when you know yes. what was the first images you were like okay let me try this so initially what I started doing was going through my old sketchbooks mm-hmm. and actually sewing into sketches that I had done of landscapes and, you know, farm sheds, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just loved the quality of the line that you got from the thread. And then when I started using the sewing machine to free motion stitch, I was making local landscapes. Um, so because we live on the west coast of Ireland, it's very rugged. Um, and so textiles just really lends itself to it to get you know the colors of the sky and you know the rocks and the sea so it worked really well and people loved that um but I love portraits portraits of animals in particular are my Mm -hmm. favorite things to make yeah definitely (laughs) now you're we're gonna talk a little bit more detail about some of them but you you create finished goods that you sell yes okay I just want to get everybody on the same page because in my <laughs> in my world we like buy patterns, you know, so we yeah. want to make it ourselves. Uh, so these are pieces that that people can purchase. Um, and do you sell them just locally, or do you also sell them online? So I have my own website, and people can contact me through that. Um, and I sell an awful lot through social media. Social media is fantastic. I love it. Yeah. It's great for meeting people with a similar mindset, and then people can see your work. It's it's fantastic. It's like having a you know, worldwide gallery. Yes. Yeah. Which, um, where do you mostly uh, share your work? Instagram. I love Which, it for okay. creatives. <laughs> it's the best, I think. Yeah. yeah. So one of the things that you started incorporating was more texture than even the thread. What did you start yes. doing? So uh, last year I was, I'd go out for walks every morning and I uh, was looking at, it was this time of the year, there was lots of lambs and sheep around and I thought, okay, uh, what better way to make some sheep portraits than to incorporate some wool roving? Mm. So I sourced some uh, shearings from a local farmer and I started to make portraits of different breeds of sheep and then stitch over the top of them. So, yeah, it was really interesting. And especially to get the local agricultural people's feedback on that. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't believe it. Again, like you said, they yeah. thought they were photographs and then, I actually went to a, a local agri mar, uh, agri fair and I made one of the portraits there and the farmers were just, wow, I can't believe you can make this and <laughs> you're using the wool. And it was lovely. Yeah, it was great to get that feedback. So did did they want to have you make things? Do you like, did they yes. commission you? 
I got lots of commissions, yes. yeah, and some very funny ones of some pet sheep, and I had lots of little parcels of wool arriving in the post box oh. for me every day. So, and I still do. I'm getting like, uh, even the other day, a lady sent me some Highland cattle hair to make yeah. to work right into a piece that I'm making of a cow. So, yeah. you know, it's always interesting, never boring. No. Now, the one that you used, my Orifil threads, that was yeah. a, um, a a rabbit. Yeah, it was a hare, actually, a March hare. We have loads of them around us. They're always boxing, and, yeah, they're beautiful creatures. So, and your Orifil Neutral Collection is absolutely perfect for wildlife portraiture. It's got all the different tones, and you can layer them against each other, and I love it. Well done on those. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So how do you – do you have, like, a shop then that you, you found nearby where you could go in and pick the colors that you need? Yeah, so we're very, very, very lucky here. Um, Tume has got a fantastic shop called Quilt Yarn Stitch. So lots of quilt makers and crocheters in there. And the lady who runs it, Roisin, is fantastic. I mean, they laugh at me every day. I come in looking for a different (laughs) shade of thread. You know, this one for a rabbit's ear and this one's perfect for a cow's nose but yeah they're the girls are just lovely in there they keep telling me i need to buy the whole stand of thread and they're probably right right and um, yeah but roaching is great i mean even last year when i was working on a collection my budget sewing machine died <laughs> so, oh no yeah roaching lent me her one which was lovely that's great <laughs> yeah you can't have a machine die in the middle it's like a trap absolutely not no 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 <laughs> So besides the thread and that you've painted on um, a surface, are there any other sort of stabilizers and things that you use? Yeah, so I use Viseline Stitch and Tear, Pat, and uh, it's brilliant. But given the the amount of stitching that I do into the pieces, oftentimes I need to cut them off the backing fabric and then reapply them to a new backing fabric. But again, it just feeds into my whole love of layers. Um, So I just love the process. It's brilliant. So how many are you make do you, do you make multiples at a time like do you work on parts or do you work all like just one whole one and then go into the next one whole one and on to the next okay. yeah and oftentimes I can't sleep until one is finished no. <laughs> so, yeah you'll hear a little sewing machine noises in the middle of the night coming from my studio and yeah that'll be me working away <laughs> and then are they framed when they're finished so it actually depends on what the client wants, Pat. Um, mm-hmm. Like a lot of people like to be able to touch the pieces afterwards, and I'd be quite keen on that myself. Yeah. Um, so some pieces are framed and some pieces aren't framed. Yeah. So, I mean, even if you put a frame, you, you sort of stretched it like you would needlepoint or something, it could Absolutely. still be yeah. exposed. Absolutely. Yeah, but yeah. with no glass. Um, because they feel, yeah, they feel like you wouldn't want to make them into a pillow or something, but I guess oh, they no. could. That's no, like... But- I mean, a lot of people get the non-reflective glass in the front of them mm-hmm. as well, so that they can really get the, you know, the details. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's lots of ways to produce them. Yeah. So uh, what piece are you working on right now? Right now, I'm working on an otter portrait. And mm-hmm. um, so I'm hoping to get him finished by next week, but he's got a lot of fur. So it could yeah. be a while. <laughs> a lot of fur. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you, is there, is, how, how large are these? So it depends on the animal. Um, Sometimes they can be quite small, but really what I would love to do is scale them up super size, Pat, and, you know, have a big collection of really intimidating wildlife. That would be my 
my yeah. dream work. Yeah, it would be great. Dream project. We're going to watch yeah. on Instagram for this, Kathy. We're going to be watching <laughs> for just one big foot started, this like exactly. on this huge canvas. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be lovely. Well, Kathy, this has been amazing to be able to take a peek into your world and how you're using thread that so many of us love. Um, I really appreciate that you had the time to do this. Thank you so much for speaking with me, Pat. It's been lovely. And everybody can find Kathy at Kathy Ross, R-O-S-S, art, kathyrossart.com. That's right. Yep. So this has been American Patrick and Quilting's podcast. I am your host, Pat Sloan. You can visit me at my – join my community at Quilt Along with Pat Sloan at Facebook and join American Patchwork as well on the Internet where they have Facebook and Instagram and their website. We will chat again next week. all and thanks for listening if you love the american patchwork and quilting podcast subscribe on itunes or your favorite podcast app and don't forget to rate and review the show it helps other quilters find us have a creative week